0: Previously, on The Tony Kornheiser Show. You're giving us six. That's six games. That's bold, well, James. Key that's bold. Came, he came with a lot of games this time. Yeah, I, I love this guy who's never been to a doctor. <laughs> love this oh, guy. Oh, no, he,
1: don't, he, he comes in for groceries, like in, in in Pierre Park, once a week. That's it. You don't, I don't know if he's ever been to a dentist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. We'll talk to you next week. Actually. All right. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> James Carville is just <laughs> spectacular. Even when he curses, it's simply spectacular. The Tony Kornheiser show is on now. And he went four and two. yeah no he bad went way. four and two. He missed one college game, missed one pro game, he went four and two. Here is uh, from Shad. here is a haiku for James and James's guy. Whose name, we, we don't know his name, even though James said it two or three times. We could not pick up any of the consonants in, nope. in the guy's name. We don't know. but this It's not is from, for us to
2: know. Right. This is from Chad.
0: <laughs> Trapping, hunting, and prognosticating football. Who needs doctoring? Yeah, because he's never been to a doctor or a dentist. And Carver was four and two. A good week for him. Let me also mention to Michael Kinslinger in Baltimore. Stop sending cookies. Stop. Stop sending cookies. <laughs> the Flaming Hot Cheetos from Baltimore County can be given the rank of the official girls' youth soccer team of the show. But no more cookies. Don't send any more cookies. Thank you, Michael. That is not my Michael. My Michael is here. Nigel is here. We are all at Uncle Benny's table. And I'm going to get off football early because we'll talk about football with Wilbon. I'm just going to say this. Every single featured national game, whether it is a Thursday night, a Sunday night, or a Monday night, has been great. They go down to the wire yeah. all the time. The NFL season as a whole has been great so far. I mean, a guy kicked a 66-yard <laughs> field goal yesterday. Yeah. Indoors. So it's not like it's, it wasn't a mile high and it wasn't a big wind. It was indoors. 66 yards hits the bar goes over the bar, which never happens, wins the game. Now, Justin Tucker from Baltimore has been the best kicker in the NFL for the last eight to ten years. He's a Hall of Fame kicker. He's a great, great kicker. But 66, the, the record was 64. He kicked it from 66 last night late. Green Bay wins on a, on a field goal. Yesterday, you know, there was one other team that won on a field goal late. It escapes me right now. But the— the amount of kickers that are winning and losing games puts the foot back in football. And, and I will just say this. You heard me say a million times when the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford. I did not go gently into the good night. I went bold. I said, that's the Super Bowl team. Right then and there, that's a Super Bowl team. And Wilbon laughed at me. We'll see what Wilbon says later. Because they just beat... You know, they didn't crush Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had opportunity. They beat Camp Tampa Bay. They were the better team. Now, last year, Tampa Bay lost twice to New Orleans, I believe, and then reversed that in the playoffs. And Tampa Bay was a great team. And Tom Brady, Tom Brady threw for 450 yards yesterday. <laughs> it's Tom Brady. But the Rams won that game. And Matthew Stafford, in three games, has been terrific. I believe he's got nine touchdown passes in three games, and the Rams are undefeated. So... Let us move on. Let us bring my son into this, because I had, I had a famous person golf weekend, right? That's fair to say. I played on Saturday with the comedian Nate Bargatze, who was in town to do a show at DAR. We'll come back this week, later this week. Nate Bargatze will be back. Very, very funny comedian. Um, he went to Hershey, Pennsylvania. We played at Columbia. He went to Hershey, Pennsylvania that night and did some shows. And then yesterday I played with Tom Friedman of the New York Times, who, as I've said many times between us, we have three Pulitzers. <laughs> and since I don't have any, Tom has three. So I'll get to that later. But, Michael, what? tell the people what you did with, with Nate, which I thought was... S- so good in terms of where we would play the course from.
2: Well, I always like to play where the group wants to play from. And and you and Tom Jones, not that Tom not Jones, that Tom Jones. Encouraged, uh, you know, encouraged us to go back to the Blues, which is a great way to see the course, but it also kept us around your ball for the second so that you could play up to the green and have similar looks in. So we went back to the Blues. We had a great time. He's working on getting the legs more involved driving the swing rather than being sort of a top, uh, you know, Upper body driven, Uh, but no, we had a great time. So you mentioned something about him. He is a professional
0: comedian. His job there's there's nothing. Nigel would know this. There's nothing else in the job description. Make people laugh. Yeah, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. Don't be kind. Don't be bad. Don't give them tips on how to get discounts at Burger King. No, 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 no. Don't don't be empathetic. No, make people laugh. They go to see you for one reason, to be relieved of what they are thinking and to laugh. And most of the time, they are willing to laugh. They come to make you laugh. That does not mean that comedians off stage are funny. That does not
2: mean that. Like you were saying, Michael. He. He was not telling – not a joke a minute. Well, one of, the, one of the first things I noticed is so much of what he does talks about, you know, am I doing an hour set? Or when I was young, what did, what did it mean to fill a 20- or 30-minute set? What does it mean when I'm trying to craft a Netflix special? And so there would be off-the-cuff remarks where he's sort of joking with the group, and you just see – you see a switch. And he goes from – he's not thinking about Seven Iron here. He's thinking, how am I going to make the rest of the three-ball smile? How am I going to try and bring them into that world? But you just look at a at what it means to be a touring professional comedian. He was on stage the night before. He was about to do two shows, and I was. He trying was going to gonna get on a bus with his crew, drive to Hershey, and do two shows. And I was asking him, just knowing, how, having seen you prepare for any performance, whether it was Monday Night Football, even doing PTI. Once a certain time hits, you know, for PTI, it might be eleven o'clock. There's nothing else in your day, and I, and I was asking him. So once we get to the back nine, is your mind just? totally focused on the show. And he goes, I can give you the entire hour right now. <laughs> yeah. I can do it right now. And so I was like, oh, so you, you, it's not like you're going to be stuck in the back nine trying to think like, well, I didn't get, you know, in minute 15, I didn't get the, the laugh that I normally need to do. So I'm going to try and get bigger. No, it's, it's amazing to see how they go in and out of that role. And he was a quiet person. Right? He was not a boisterous
0: person. When you played golf with him, he was there to play golf. Yeah, was he, was th- he, was, he was just a guy in our four ball having a great Saturday morning. That's exactly right. I know one comedian, Billy Crystal. Oh, yes. Billy Crystal is, <laughs> and everybody will say this, the most normal human being in the world. He's the most normal human being when he's not performing. But when you put these people around comedians, they're all crazy. They're all crazy. In their peer group, they can't be quiet. In their peer group, that they have to go back and forth with, right, with other comedians. Yes. Yeah. Now you know Adam is a comedian. You know him well. Yes. Off, off stage, he's a regular person, right?
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, like a lot of comedians, you know has issues with the world and you know. Yeah, well and, that's and, how they that, see the world. That's exactly. how they're funny. Yeah. But it's funny like and I mean you tell the very famous story, well famous within the in the context of the show, of being with Billy Crystal. Oh don't try this at home. Right and, and you oh, oh. and you're a very funny guy and you're cracking jokes and it's almost like he's he's a pitcher and says, Oh you want to see what a real fastball
0: is? <laughs> that's exactly right. And and all of a sudden and all of a sudden I am literally <laughs> on the ground holding yeah. my side thinking I'm going to die from laughter. Yeah. Because he's a professional comedian. And I am funny for a sports writer. There's a very big difference. Yeah, but what? But what Michael said? How? Like they're not even think.
3: It almost seems like they're not thinking about the show they have that night. They're all ready for that. Like when I've got a show, I freak out like three months ahead of time, and I'm like, oh. But that day, that's your job. Yeah, and but I've I've come off the the stage and Adam and talked to Adam before his set, and he's just you know having a laugh, you know, just yeah. really relaxed. And all of a sudden, it's yeah. like, oh, I've got
0: to get up there and do this. And then he's out there for an hour. So Nate Borghazi, if you haven't seen him, Michael, they can access his, his Netflix special, yeah, right? Yeah, people know how to find his specials. Very, very funny guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. What you need to know about him, I guess, is that he was born into this particular trade. His father is a magician. His father does an act. And Nate would, Nate brings his father with him whenever he can. His father opens for he him. He brings
2: him on to fill time. Yeah, magic they and crushes.
0: And, and then he starts to weep. He says, "My dad starts to cry because he's so happy to work with me." And everybody looks at him crying, and they really love him. Then he goes backstage. He goes it's a pretty good crowd, huh? Good crowd tonight. Yeah. So that was it. You know, it was very nice to play with him. I I will say this that he's a he's a good player. He's a single digit player. He's mm-hmm. a good player. But when you walk onto a strange course with three strange people, you get nervous, right? And I think there's... a. I mean, he, like he banged a few drives nowhere near in the air the way he wanted to. You yeah, and, and, tell. He,
2: and he's working on a certain move with a driver and he's using a different driver. But more than that, it's, it's you are... It's you're connected through a friend of a friend. And for us, it's, it's Greg Garcia, who he, he knows right. this deep relationship between the two of you. And again, it's this it's this in-between time where it's it was so kind of him just to take that morning away from yes. what is a working road trip to yes. just play with us for a couple. Yeah, hours.
0: I enjoyed it. And, and it reminded me that Jaws and I used to play all the time. We used to play Sunday mornings all the time. That was our, on, on road trips for Monday Night Football, Jaws and I had Sunday morning to play golf. Jaws always arranged for us to play, and it was great. The highlight of the day, by the way, for me, the highlight of the day was this. We're out there with Tom Jones, and we've, told, we've talked about this before. Tom Jones' mom is, I believe, in her early 90s now. When Tom Jones' mom was a young girl in Scranton, Pennsylvania, She won the like an audition contest to sing, to go to Broadway to sing. It's an audition. It's like a million people all around the world, and they win an audition, and they go have an audition on Broadway. Well, she was the goods. She got a job in her late teenage years. As the understudy on Broadway for the role of Laurie in Oklahoma, this is one of the most famous <laughs> roles in wow. all of musical theater. Sure. Oklahoma, you know Oklahoma, not written by Billy and Bobby, <laughs> written by you know Rogers and <laughs> Hammerstein. Okay, it's not. Yeah, we got. We're working on something good. Yeah. Billy, show it to me when it's Rogers and Hammerstein. Okay, <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma. The most famous song in Oklahoma is "Oh, What a Beautiful Morning." Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling, you know, something is headed my way. You know, there's a bright golden haze on May. You can do the song, right? You know the song. Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, Tom Callahan knows all these songs. One of the most famous songs ever. She's an understudy as a girl on Broadway. She takes the show to London. She's the star in the West End of London in the theater district. She's the star. Pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's 100 years ago. I understand. And I used to say to Tom, what, did she, did she, inter-? every morning, every morning came into the room. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Every morning. So, God, I'd love to hear her sing it. Love to hear her sing it. We're coming through the tunnel, heading to the T at 15. Tom Jones calls his mom, who lives in the building that overlooks Columbia. The building that, to me, looks like, you know, a gulag prison. You know, that's, to me, that's what it just looks like. Whoa, it's so gray. It's so formidable. It's just awful. Tom says, look up two floors from the top on the right-hand side. Mom, open the window. She opens the window, and you can hear her sing. Oh, what a right, Michael? Oh, yeah. It's the highlight of my life.
3: That's fantastic. It's
0: tremendous. (laughs) Tom said, "This is I wanted to do this for a while." It was great. We're the the cart. We're the cart by fifteen. You know, it's yeah, and, and he says this is where we are, and she waves and we could have done it at seventeen, could've done it at fifteen, right? It was great.
2: And yeah. I've and i 'd been describing tonight, I'm like, what's so great about a you know, city course, we're bounded by these major roads. It becomes you grow up here, you see everybody, and then that happens. Just yeah. oh what a it's just so it's like great. Oh, breaking I was, out song. Yeah,
0: I was so happy, so happy. Yesterday I went to Caves Valley yeah. again, where I saw Steve Fader, the great Steve Fader who invited me and Alan Bubis and Michael back and says, we'll do this in a little while. When I played with Tom Friedman of the New York Times. um, And he's a really good player. Okay. He's got a violent swing. He takes a lot of turf with him. Like if you're his caddy, you're always going 10, 15 yards up, getting the pelt, bringing it back, putting (laughs) it in. But he's a really good player. He's still at an advanced age. He's still like a six or something like that. I mean, he's a really good player. And it was so much fun for me. Jesse, I'm telling a story here. Okay, why don't you pipe down? Um, I think Jesse wants to get to the Ryder Cup. Yeah, so, oh, we're not, oh, I haven't mentioned the Ryder Cup. Yeah, no,
2: it's okay. I'm sorry. I was going to mention it with Wilbon. Yeah, no, I got you. It's
0: not like I watched it. (laughs) I watched it too. Oh, I thought you might want to talk about it. So I, yeah, I'll talk for five minutes about it. Let me just talk about Tom Friedman for a second. We have a shared history. I used to work at the New York Times, but the shared history is journalism. The shared history is understanding the rigors of journalism and understanding the rules of journalism and sort of bemoaning the hot take society that we're in now where everybody without any credentials at all thinks that his opinion is or her opinion is more important than everybody else's opinion. So we share that. It's a curmudgeon stance, but we share it. And we were talking about sports because he's a big Minnesota Vikings fan. He probably had a great night because oh,
3: yeah, yeah, nice Cousins game.
0: was very good and, and they won that game. Yeah. Um, good win. Yeah, because they should have won the week before. So they we should've. talked about that and we yeah. talked about sports in general. And he's a big Wizards fan. And we talked about politics. And I actually played better when we talked about politics a little bit because I was dreadful on the front and a lot better on the back. And I'm grateful to Tom for you know, having me and playing with me. Because as, as I said to him at some point, we are both public people. And we understand, we understand the obligations of being public people. But it's nice to be in the company of someone every once in a while who just wants to be in the company of you. Because, you know, he understands yeah. your history. All right, I'm sorry I cut off the Ryder Cup. No, no. We crushed... We're going to have Sands on, too. We crushed in the Ryder Cup. What's your immediate takeaway? We're not going to lose for 20 years.
2: Yeah, and you and you look back over the last 20 years, and you think for there to be a rivalry, you have to see some wins go back and forth. And this is the first time where you've seen the United States win it back-to-back years in the same soil, not back-to-back events, but you go back to 2016 version. No, the the event is, to me, the winner here. You see Rory McIlroy tearing up crying. You look at sort of the changing of the guard as you as you see... Almost, it looks like the farewells of Sergio, of Ian Poulter, probably Lee Westwood, Paul Casey, and you're yeah They're definitely Paul done. Casey, and you're looking at where where are those middle stalwart players going to come from for the European team? A, a lot of people questioned uh, Paddy's decisions as to you know where are you going to sit certain players or why are you necessarily playing Rory with Ian Poulter just based on sort of the patterns of their misses. But you had an event that was wonderful to watch. There was drama within the matches, whether it was... So beautiful, the course is so beautiful. The course was the big winner here in in terms of that, and you know, you looked at the way, the privilege of being the host team and being able to set up the course, the par fives won the week, you looked at the drama early, and then the drama in the middle, particularly around those par threes, it didn't matter that a lot of the matches did not come down to the final hole when they did, they were one with really interesting pars, Uh, and you looked at a, a Ryder Cup captain for the American team who has set a winning formula going forward who allows the team to be the players, the individuals that they are week in, week out, but still is able to bring them in. You saw pairings that that are showing signs as to what you're going to see for many years to come. And you saw a use of the captain's picks that was probably the big difference maker between Stricker and Patrick Harrington, Harrington, who wanted to see players play their way in, and uh, Stricker, who was able to say, you know what, I'm going to take this pick on Scotty Scheffler because not everyone agrees with it, but you know what, I think I just found my Bryson DeChambeau specialist, I'm going to pair him up for these two matches, they go out, they play really well together, even when they're not winning, and you find a way to bring DeChambeau into the fold. You look at how you're able to bring Kepka into the fold, maybe that was with the Spieth pairing as well.
0: I I watched it and watched it and watched it. I watched it over the football. We'll ask Wilbon if he did, and we'll have Sands on later. But we crushed. You know, we crushed. Yes, you did. They've got the best player in the world. John Rahm's the best player in the world, and he showed it for four matches. He can make some putts. He showed it, and then he just basically ran, I think, ran out of gas. It didn't matter at that point. But we got the next eight to ten best players in the world under this format. It was just going to be Europe. You know, if it's not going to be the rest of the world, if it's not South Africa and Australia and Chile and Mexico and Canada and all of these other places, if it's Japan, if it's not that, we're going to win this thing all the time. So we will get out of here now, and we will come back with Michael Wilbon. I am Tony Kornheiser.
4: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser
0: show. This is the X Chair. Read the best thing I can tell you about the X Chair. And this is very personal. When I sit in the X chair up in the attic and I do PTI, when I get done, my hip isn't screaming the way it is now at a regular dining room chair. I mean, whatever they do. And I'm not using the massage. I didn't do all all the stuff I could do. I don't do because I'm sitting there. I'm doing my work. And it's not a home office where I think about it. And I'm not in it six hours a day. I'm in it an hour, an hour and a quarter or something like that. But when I get up, I feel good. That's important. If you've ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car and you realize how much better a car can be, you never want to settle for a regular car again. That's how I think you'll feel after you sit in an X chair. Can your current office chair give you a massage where you're working? X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I don't even use that, and I should, but don't. And once you feel the customized support, and I do feel this, of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never do, you just won't. You won't. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y.com for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day... Guarantee of complete comfort. Again, xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. You're listening to The
5: Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser
0: Show. Brandon Costello is going to play us in today. These are two songs that he did. These are live from his trip to D.C. where he performed with Dan Byrne. And he writes, luckily, no critics, no crickets this time. There are critics all the time. No crickets this time. The venue was lovely. The Littles were lovelier. I'm glad Littles went. And Dan Byrne was lovely Dan Byrne. It's the best. He's great. This is called Words by Brandon Costello. He will play later. Play in Steve Sands. He's playing in Michael Wilbon. There's a lot of football to get to, but I'm going to be honest with you, Wilbon. I was on Ryder Cup. More than the early games. I really was, I became addicted to it. I watched it Friday and Saturday and Sunday. You've got a lot of TV, so you can watch a lot of different things. What was your level of addiction to the Ryder Cup?
1: It was, I was totally, thoroughly addicted Friday and Saturday. And Sunday, by about an hour and a half in, I dumped the Ryder Cup (laughs) entirely.
0: Dunked. Yeah, because it because it, it was over. Fascinating.
1: It,
5: yeah, yeah, it was over. It wasn't.
1: It, it wasn't compelling on a day in which the early games were compelling for you know. You had crazy stuff. The endings, and, and, you know. In my case, I had to watch a, a, a football franchise disaster of epic proportions. Yes. We'll get to so, that. So um, I yeah. got rid of. I got rid of the the Ryder Cup. Like I looked at one point, Tony. I had the Ryder Cup on the main TV, and Matthew says to me dad, seriously, the Ryder Cup over the Bears or Red Zone. I go, yeah, this is a once, you know, every two-year thing, let's stay with it. Within within 45 minutes of him saying that, I was done. I was done with the
0: Ryder Cup. I loved it. I kept kept drifting back. I kept drifting back and drifting back and drifting back, but I will say this. (laughs) Three things happened in the early games, and there's more than three things, but three things happened in the early games. Justin Tucker... The best kicker in yeah. football for the last 8 to 10 years set a world record with 66. The Kansas City Chiefs lost, yeah. and they are now 1-2. and two. And a kid yeah. ran a kick 6 back 109 yeah. yards. 109. Yeah. 109. <laughs> Yo, wow. Yeah. Look at this. What, what did you think of that stuff?
1: Well, I, I mean, first of all, the Kansas City Chiefs makes me laugh. I don't have anything against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I love watching Patrick Mahomes like everybody else. You know, I, I Andy Reid's been around so long that even when I was covering football, Andy Reid was already a, a thing. And yeah. so, I you know, I, I've been around Andy Reid in my life as a reporter. Um, and so, Kansas City, the dynasty of one—that's all that you know. <laughs> they debate on on our network uh, and others, but ours are every how great is Kansas City? Well, did yeah. last week there was a question on the board in one of the shows on our network. Um, It's Kansas City in the middle of a dynasty. Dynasty of one. Really? Yeah, just I mean, This is what what Aaron Rodgers was victim of after week one. I mean, the pronouncements about the NFL are just so stupid by people who are very smart, by people who have forgotten more football this morning than I'll ever know. But the pronouncements are just dumb. And they, they, they now have gone from annoying me to making me just switch channels no matter what. Because I don't want to hear about a dynasty of one. I mean, it, it, come on. that This is insane. Kansas City, the Chiefs are not great. Not now. They may be potentially that. They may be fun to watch. You know, everybody, i take Patrick Mahomes over, I think, everybody else I right would. now. Particularly I since, would. Particularly, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't even play anymore. But, I would. but they're not great. They're yeah. one and two. No, you're right. No, you're right. They're, they're not. They're not great. And no, what we're going to hear today, you know what? We're going to somebody. We're going to have to answer. I'm sure Eric and Matt will put together a, a question, a situation, a story on the Chiefs, and the question will be from you to me or from me to you. So, Tony, so Mike, what's wrong with the Chiefs? You know what's wrong with them? They're damn overrated by everybody well, who talks.
0: Then about And I hope it goes, to you. <laughs> hope yeah, it goes to you. I hope it goes to you.
1: That's exactly you, what I'm going to
0: say. Do you have any growing up where you grew up? And no, and you know, watching Detroit and watching Minnesota and watching mm-hmm. Green Bay, do you have any particular sympathy for the way Detroit lost yesterday to a to a sixty-six yard field goal? And by the way, the pass play that set that up, the time had expired on the play clock. Yes, on the play and, clock, a penalty. Yes.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, I do. I, I Tony, totally, I don't know if I use the word sympathy. I think I have a greater understanding of it. Than, than most people do when you grow up in that division, which is still the NFC Central, no matter what they call it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. This. Yes. I grew up all my life watching those four teams more closely than the others. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And so you know, like people, you know, and mostly in your listening, range, they grew up watching. I'm still sure you have a, a huge percentage of you know NFC East people. Probably. Um, I yeah. grew up watching the NFC Central and all the calamity that comes with it, and it's visited every franchise. I mean, people don't remember the Packers were pathetic for a stretch. Yes. And you couldn't wait until, if you were a Bears fan, you got the Packers. And then, but Detroit the whole time, I mean, Detroit... They stink. The whole way, this is what they made your head, and you just you shake your head.
0: Wilbon will, I'm telling all listeners now, and Wilbon will definitely agree with this, in the history of the Super Bowl era, the Detroit Lions are the worst team in the NFL. They're the worst. Definitely. They are 1-12 in 12 in playoff games, and they've never been yeah. to a Super Bowl. They're the worst. They, they,
1: they didn't get close. Cleveland's been close. Cleveland, yeah. which hasn't gotten there either, has been yeah. in AFC title games with teams that you walked away thinking they lost to John Elway or they lost... They were still maybe the better team. That is not the case with the Lions. They just, no matter what they do, You know, Tony, every few years they come up with a marketing slogan. And one of them is always, Restore the Roar. (laughs) What are you talking uh, about?
0: Pay attention to this sentence. The Super Bowl started in, I believe, 1966. That was the first Super Bowl. That is 55 years. They've won one playoff game. One
1: playoff game. And that was Tony... I think that playoff game was during that tournament-style thing in 1982, in the in the in the in the you know I don't know. Was That's like when Washington.
0: Lineup. That was a bandwagon year. Yeah. No, they won in the bandwagon tournament. year. It was 91. A tournament. I think 91. they
1: had to expand it to get well, to, to get Detroit in. I think,
0: whatever happened, I think they've, they've won, won the one game, game. one yeah. game in yeah. 55 yeah. years. All right, we move on, so, and this okay. this will allow you to vent. Uh, four of the five first-round quarterbacks played significant roles yesterday, the rookie quarterbacks. Trey Lance yep. ran one in on a touchdown, but Garoppolo's the quarterback there. Uh, Fields was sacked 40 billion <laughs> times, and yeah. Matt Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Zach Wilson were picked and picked and picked, and all yeah. of them looked like rookie quarterbacks, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, and 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 – but no,
1: but only one team looked as bad as my team. Only one team embarrassed itself
0: oh, in a way terrible.
1: that threatened the worst performances in franchise history. And that coach, why he has a job today? I mean, that's an indictment of the. Yeah, you know what? It's not an indictment of the family. The family's a compassionate family. They're not. The Hallis Bukowski family is not Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder. Just, that's not who they are. They've never been that. They're not going to be that. And part of me admires that. You know, I, I, That's who they are. But the head coach, Justin Fields, and I told you this last week, before this game, Justin Fields is never going to develop as a professional quarterback and be what people think he can be with this head coach and this GM. It's never going to happen. They're wasting their time. So all for the last six weeks, when people said, on our air... Well, he has to start all our experts. He has to start, really, because you're not paying attention. Those people are paying to the glamour teams in the West and the East, and they're looking at the Rams, and they're looking at the Giants and the Cowboys. They're not paying attention to middle America, the flyover states. They're not. Because if you watch the Bears, and I I pay attention to only, to this degree, the Bears. They're dreadful. They have the worst line, arguably, in pro football. You've heard me say this stuff for weeks, right?
0: Yes. They're going to get this kid killed. Yeah, It's going to be right. like that's Archie you Manning. To start him. Archie you to start Manning, him. this happened to him in New Orleans. This happened to him. He got killed. He was never the pro quarterback he should have been. They're going to get this that's kid right. killed. They'll get well, him killed. Tony,
1: <laughs> so every week, every week there's been one lone voice saying, no, you don't have to start him. You don't have to play him yet because you're dreadful. You're t- Even if the quarterback is ready and he's not. The head coach and the GM aren't ready. The team isn't ready. They're an embarrassment. Now, I don't know, again, it's a different temperament, not not just in Chicago, most of the Midwest, but we're not going to boo and stay home. That's not what happens. You know, I mean, it, it, there's, there's reports that there's like, you know, 15,000 or more people who are going to leave Chicago and go out to see the Bears in, against the Raiders in a couple of weeks. We're still going. I'm one of them. And we're not going to boo. It's not Philly. It's not, you know, where they booed the Giants owner yesterday, who's won two Super Bowls. They booed him. We're not going to do that. So there's no urgency. There's no certainty that they're going to get rid of an incompetent coach. And that's what he is. He and the GM. They're incompetent. And they have to go, except they won't go. Not, Not anytime soon. Not... Not during yeah. the season, the Bears aren't going to do that.
0: Okay, are you still are you still not with me on the Rams, or are you changing your mind?
1: Um, it's too early. If the Rams of, I'm not, no, I'm not with you on the Rams. The Rams okay. have. All I got them in the Super Bowl. I, know yeah, you I got them in the Super they're Bowl. They're peaking I in week three. I, do do I think the Rams can sustain what they did yesterday? No, I don't. I, I and they haven't played in that division. Have they played a division opponent yet in the toughest division in, in, no. in the NFL? Nope. Not okay. yet. Nope. So, you nope. know, I mean, they got to they tackle Kyler Murray at some point. They got to play against Seattle. Now, I know Seattle, you know, is looking a little One and two. You know, vulnerable. Two. But the yep. 49ers, I mean, all, you know, I mean, the 49ers, they got to be disgusted with the way they lost that game last night. Lose
0: well, at the but, buzzer. Lose at the buzzer, yeah. I mean, they played really but, well. But the,
1: Rams, the Rams have to go, and they got to play those teams twice. Do I so am I putting That's the Rams right. in the Super Bowl? No, That's right. I'm not. Okay. And by oh, the way, I still am. Tone, I get I understand you look great right now. The team yeah. you went out and picked at the end of last season, the day they made that trade, day they, they look it. really good. Said right Super Bowl. Now.
0: Yeah. All right, let yeah. me give you let me give you four teams. Indianapolis 0 and 3, Seattle 1 and 2, Kansas City 1 and 2, Pittsburgh 1 and 2. I assume yeah. well what, who, who does it look worst for in your mind? Pittsburgh. I assume Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. yeah, right? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. yeah. And they're done.
1: Pittsburgh looks the worst. Um, Pittsburgh looks the worst. I, I you know, I don't I didn't have any, any expectations of any team that puts a trust in Carson Wentz.
5: Mhm.
1: So, you know how I feel about that. That's just that's just like Advised, so I didn't have any expectations of Indy. I still have some of Seattle. I mean, Seattle lost the game yesterday. You know, I mean, they were they were up in that game. And I, I, when I say faith, I still figure that Seattle can be nine and seven and be a wild card type of team. Okay. Kansas City, I want to see. I want to see because they have they have been so absurdly hyped. You know, I mean, they're the. I was going to say they're the Brooklyn Nets, but actually, well, they I think the they Nets made the, they Super, Bowl the, they yeah, the but, Super Bowl two
0: years in a row. They didn't make the Super Bowl two years in a row. They did. Yeah, but
1: you know, mm-hmm. Tony, the, the, didn't the didn't the St. Louis Rams do that? And then before you knew yes. it, they were sort of on the side of the road yes. with a flat tire. Hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. These things yeah. happen. A hundred percent, it happens. All right, let me go to teams that are three and zero, all of whom are surprise teams to be three and zero. Arizona, Carolina, the Raiders and Denver, all 3-0. Who do you think, who do you like the best of those teams? Well, you know what? It's funny. I don't trust any of those yet.
1: I mean, the team with the, with the you know, a proven coach who's done this is John Gruden. And the Raiders. Yes. Yes. Um, yep. I, you know, look, I don't, I root for Arizona. Even without my friend Larry Fitzgerald, I root for the Cardinals. Right. But I don't, I don't know that I trust them. The Cardinals, to me, are like they're so happy right now. They are just popping their jerseys. They are, you know, going back a couple of dozen years. They're, they're cabbage patching. They, you know, they're so thrilled. But, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Look, they, they got spectacular playmakers on both sides of the ball. Spectacular. We, we talked about last week how, you know, their quarterback is the most must-see kid in the, in the NFL today.
2: Most But I don't,
1: I don't know that I trust them. And that coach hasn't been through having to make tough decisions in a tough – Environment, you know, um, Carolina. Uh, their, their best player is fragile, and, and yep. I don't trust him That's to right. be out on the field. Right, right. you know. So it's interesting that I don't know that I trust the Raiders. I don't want the answer to be the Raiders, but you know, it looks like who? Who's the fourth? Oh, Denver. Denver. I don't know Denver. about Denver. I've they don't Denver beat anybody good. Six- well, Denver was like a fifteen point game yesterday.
0: Yeah, they beat the Jets, because you know, they played the Jets, Jets. And I'm basically yeah, betting against yeah, the Jets. Stink. You, you know,
1: but, but I don't know enough about Denver. But the what, So, okay, what's your answer on those four teams at 3-0?
0: Um, I, I fear Arizona's division. I think that, right. you know, I think that division yeah. is so good that people are going to get Agreed. banged around. I don't trust Carolina at all. I mean, just on recent history. And McCaffrey, as you say, gets hurt. Denver... Boy, Bridgewater looks like he knows what he's he doing good, again. He? he looks very good, and their defense is good because Fangio's a defensive guy, as dreadful as they've been the last couple of years. But the, uh, the Raiders somehow, somehow I, I, Derek, Carr's, Derek Carr's been maybe the first or second best quarterback in the league at this point. Well, for and three Derek games. Carr
1: has a weapon that no one knows and talks about in that big tight Darren
0: game. Waller. They got the tight that end. That guy roller. could be
1: the best. He, he, he is now up there with Kittle. Oh and, yeah, uh, my, and Kelsey my man on and City. Kelsey, Kelsey, and Kelsey. And by the way, yeah. I, I don't know who was making excuses for Gronk yesterday. He's got not. I don't think they're going to win that game. But Gronk's got to catch that's a touchdown pass. That's right. They're like Brady threw it too far. No, no,
0: no, he didn't. You got to catch it. No, you got to catch yeah. it. I mean, they they he's going to the Hall of Fame.
2: But his body's beaten up,
0: and he's got to catch it. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, Sounds good. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. Steve Sands will join us when we return and talk about the Ryder Cup. He was personally there. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
5: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This is the DoorDash ad. Do you find yourself ordering with DoorDash more than twice a month? In that case, let's talk about getting you signed up for Dash Pass, the easiest way to save money on what you're already eating. Does it feel like you're paying more for delivery fees than your meals? With Dash Pass from DoorDash, you'll never have to worry about that again. Music subscription? Check. At home fitness subscription? Check. Food delivery subscription? Yes, that's a thing. Time to try Dash Pass by DoorDash. It's hard to say that. It is. And unlock those savings you didn't know that you were missing. Try a free month of Dash Pass now. Well, oh, free month. Watch your savings add up. Start or stop your membership at any time after your. Free trial ends. You can save an average of $4 to $5 on each order you place for delivery or pickup. That means, on average, Dash Pass pays for itself when you order twice a month. If you're ready to save money on your DoorDash orders, DoorDash is offering a free month of Dash Pass right now. Stop spending money on delivery fees. Try Dash Pass from DoorDash today for free. When you got zero delivery fees, you're free to get more because you can. Start your free month today. Is there something you have to do, and I'm not—I don't have it. Is there, is there some place you have to go to do this? A and call to action. Give it to me. A call to action. It's not on the sheet. The no. not on the sheet.
2: Wow. We'll try the month. Yeah. We're we're ordering tonight.
0: Yeah. Get it. Don't be stupid. Get it. Look up DoorDash. They'll probably tell you how to get it. And maybe the next time somebody can give me the call to action. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. To the Tony Kornheiser Show. Brandon Costello again, Seeing live tunes when he and Dan Byrne appeared together. Where were they in Washington? I can't remember the venue. Pearl Street Warehouse, maybe? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Pearl Street Warehouse. I've never been there. I'm never going. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is called Cartilage. Maybe uh, Brandon's working on his knee. <laughs> mm. He plays in Steve Sands, and you can listen to these songs in their entirety without me talking over them. Michael, how do you how do you access them if you want to send your music to us?
2: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. C- can,
0: can I just add, because we get a lot of these lately, of people
3: like, oh, here's my friend. Yeah, you should play their music. Please, we need their permission as well. So you got to get them to email us with the permission that we can play their music at, at jingles at tonycornizershow. We like Kornizers. just
2: giving you that extra step.
0: <laughs> That's how it works, kids. Steve Sands joins us now. You did a lot of interviews over the course of the weekend. You did Michael Jordan, right? Did you interview Michael Jordan?
4: <laughs> yes.
0: Right? Did you, tell me about that. Did you enjoy, had you ever met Jordan before? Did you like that? Did I, you enjoy that?
4: I, I have. It's, a, it's an honor. It's a privilege. Uh, and as you have famously said, Tony, over the years, you are only as smart as the people you speak to. And Michael Jordan not only is the greatest basketball player of all time, um, but he is also one of the most insightful people to speak to when it comes to competition. And, yeah. you know, you just you just listen to him and you just wonder how on earth the guy ever lost anything, ever. And he didn't lose much. But, man, he was really, really insightful when it came to what it takes to win, what it's like to play with a lead, what it's like to be the favorite, uh, how to come together uh, in an individual sport once a year. Uh, and play a team game, uh, it was really, really fascinating to speak to him. But, yeah, I've, I've known him probably 20, 25 years. He comes to every Ryder Cup. Um, really? And NBC Sports takes care of him, makes sure that he's, you know, safe and sound, um, that kind of thing. And, and we've been around him a bunch. He is uh, he is a just an incredible, obviously, athlete, but also incredible to speak to. Very, very bright man.
0: Have you played Grove 23, his course? Have you played it?
4: <laughs> I have not, but we did speak about that the other day. Uh, I have not. Um, did he invite if, if we, you? Did he we, say,
0: we, Stevie, come on down?
4: <laughs> Tony, 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 come on now. Come on now. Listen, before oh, we talk about the so
0: writer, great, before be so we great if the you writer, played him. Let
4: me, let me just right. tell you one thing. Yeah. There were. So many people there, Tony. I don't know what it looked like on television as compared to what it was like in person.
0: It looked
1: but great. Were
4: Fifty thousand people. There. It looked incredible. I'm sure. It Fifty thousand people. They go bananas because of COVID. The PGA of America. Uh, I never have when I roam around at a match play event like that. I'm just zipping around trying to go from one match to the other, trying to you know get as many interviews as possible from the winners or somebody who's who's lost a match and. And never have a producer with me, never have a driver of a cart with me, never have a, an audio person with me. But at this particular week, because of COVID, they wanted an audio person there to hold a microphone so that you weren't too close right. to the athletes right. or the captains. Um, which was impossible because it's such a tight um, venue and there's so many people around. But anyway, this woman, Pamela, couldn't have been any nicer. And I've never met her before. And she was working with us for the first time. All day, every day, people are yelling, let's a all day, every day, everywhere we went. And we're zipping around. I'm talking thousands of people everywhere we went. And at least 100 people are yelling lachiserie every single day. And she finally looks at me on Sunday morning and says, Hey, if you don't mind me asking, what's the Lachizuri thing? <laughs> so I, right. I then explain it to her. And right. she's just shaking her head. And the rest of the day, as people were yelling that, Every single place we went, she just got the biggest kick out of it. So your reach again, Tony. Your That's reach great. is absolutely spectacular.
0: I wanted to I wanted to get to an interview that you, you didn't do um, because you know you look. I'm sure you saw it with Rory McElroy. Yeah, and he started crying. He was yeah. crying about what it and he had a bad week. He didn't win till the last day, but he was crying about what it meant to him to be picked. For the Ryder Cup. That was extraordinary, wasn't
4: it? It was. It was uh, an amazing moment. Jimmy Roberts did that. When we split up the interviews, uh, mostly Americans for me, uh, mostly Europeans for him, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just an easier way to do it um, you know, for, for television purposes, for NBC and for Golf Channel. So he went and did the interview with Rory, and I was listening to it, obviously, on my headset. And Rory's the kind of guy... You know, Tony, he's such an interesting character. He's such a bright young man. Um, And you talk about insightful like Michael, Rory's the same way. And when he first came out, you know, he was a prodigy since he was a baby. You know, since he put a club in his hand, he was going to be, he was destined to go uh, to the Hall of Fame. Um, And he was not a Ryder Cup fan. And he said so before Wales in 2010. And then he played in it and said, man, this event is great. He has since played in everyone, um, and it has grown to him. And as he's gotten older, as he's gotten more mature, um, he has become more emotional about it, and it came pouring out yesterday. Yes. And, you know, it's same thing at the Olympics. He said, ah, the Olympics, who wants to do the Olympics? Skipped it in 2016, and then he went this year uh, in Tokyo and he said, man, I made a mistake again. The Ryder Cup is as good an go- uh, event as there, there is in golf, and the Olympics really mean something as well. So he's one of these guys who matures before your very eyes. You forget sometimes when you're rooting so hard for people or for teams. These guys are kids, Tony. you know, you got to let them mature, let them grow up just a little bit, and, and Rory certainly has done that.
0: So you had this right. You said we were going to roll. I think you predicted something like 17-11 at one point. You know, I mean, and we and we rolled – and, and they're old. I mean, what is the future of Ryder Cup in terms of competition? And then I have this idea, but I'll get to my idea later. What did you think about the Ryder Cup?
4: I think the, the script has been flipped. I think Europe won seven of the last nine, nine of the last 12. Various reasons go into these kinds of things. Uh, but I think America is now lined up to win the next five or six of these. The, the mm. same 12 guys could be at the Ryder Cup in two years in Rome. Dustin Johnson, 37, 38 years of age, who, by the way, went 5-0, uh, played all and four oh. sessions with someone else and then won his singles match. First American to go 5-0 and 0 in the Ryder Cup since Larry Nelson in 1979. So uh, he's the oldest guy on the team, Tony. 37, 38 years of age. And I think that you have this team now with incredible young talent, also one generation. It's not a mixed bag of a, of a Phil Mickelson all the way down to a kid who's 21 or 22. These kids all have played together and grown up together, basically, and they're not in awe of one another. Not that they were in awe of Tiger and Phil and they didn't play well because of that. It's just different uh, generationally. Europe now has that issue. Lee Westwood, 48 years of age, playing with another young kid who's 22 years old, and a guy like Matthew Fitzpatrick—those kinds of things. So, I think the United States is is set for a run. The, the talent level is a massive, massive difference. Nine of the top 11 players in the official world golf ranking are on the United States team and played in it. It's a it's a big, big talent. Um, difference, and I think that's going to bear out over the next five or six Ryder Cups. I I think the U.S. is going to win five or six of these in a row.
0: So this is what I'm going to get to, because we all understand that John Rahm's the best player in the world, and everybody else is in the United States. Why don't they just... At one point, the Ryder Cup was us against England, and then they expanded it to us against, or maybe us against England and the British Isles, and then they expanded it to all of Europe. Although Patty Harrington didn't use a lot of Europe, but okay, that's fine. Why don't they just make it us against the world? So you get in Matsuyama and you get in Oosthazen and you get in Neiman and you get in Answer and you get in Hadwin, all these names I've written down. All of these people who are ineligible for this particular thing, you get the best in the world against us. Is there would there be any movement for that, or would people say, No, that's just no, it's not traditional, we're not doing it?
4: Well, if my favorite Tony Kornheiser phrase is you're only as smart as the people you speak to. My second favorite Tony Kornizer phrase is the answer to all your questions is money. So <laughs> right. the PGA Ron tour players yeah. the PGA Tour players uh are not about to but the PGA Tour is not about to let the President's Cup go away. The President's Cup is the United States versus every other country outside of Europe. That's right. And That's right. That's a big moneymaker to them. So the PGA of America owns the Ryder Cup. The PGA Tour is the league where the professional golfers play at the highest level. So the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup will never merge. And, you know, sports is about a lot of things, but tradition really matters. The four majors, we talk about this every year at the Players' Center, It'll never be a major because the majors it's not are the majors. A major. It's a, very, it's a big funny. event. So the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup cannot combine. They'll never allow the world in. And these things are cyclical. Again, seven of the last nine went to Europe. Nine of the last 12 went to Europe. If the U.S. goes on a run here over the next five or six Ryder Cups over the next 10 or 12 years, that's okay, too. But it can't go one-sided like the President's Cup forever, or else it's not going to be a cool competition. So, But they'll never combine the two. There's a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is money.
0: Money. Uh, I don't know that anybody particularly criticized Steve Stricker. I don't get that sense. So maybe I shouldn't say, does this validate Stricker? But it does make Stricker look pretty smart, the people he picked, right? They were all kids.
4: No question. Look, we talked about this last week. One of the things that was interesting to me about Stricker, who is a very conservative guy, one what, what of the nicest guys you've ever been in your life, uh, certainly in professional sports, um, and has a lot of respect on the players. He had this idea that, you know, if I keep taking veterans like everybody else before me, these veterans know the consequences. They understand that when they are down that they're going to get beaten up because they've lost Ryder Cups before. So they have scar tissue coming into the Ryder Cup and if things get a little squirrely early, you know, perhaps they not they fold the tent, but perhaps they just say, "Man, here we go again." You bring in rookies, Tony. Rookies by the way who can play. These kids have chops coming out of college um and they think they can win right away. They know they can win right away. And when you bring rookies to the fray, as long as you think they can handle the heat, which they can, uh, but you never know until you're actually in that cauldron. It's, it's a clean slate for these guys, so they don't have any of that scar tissue. They don't have any of those negative thoughts. They don't quite understand the consequences if the United States loses again as a massive favorite. So that philosophy worked wonderfully for Steve Stricker, and I couldn't be happier did. for him. Uh, What a a nice guy. What what he said afterwards yesterday, I thought was really, really telling. He started crying, and he said, you know, I never won my major, but I just did this week, and I want to thank all the guys behind me. I thought that was a really cool moment. That's great.
0: That's great. That's good for him. All right. It looked so beautiful on TV. I'm glad you were a part of it, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.
4: Anytime, Tony. Take care, fellas.
0: Steve Sands, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a ZipRecruiter ad. I love this line. There are some things in life I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like cuts of steak, mattresses, and bottles of wine. I don't know how you get mattresses. I just don't. What if you could do the same for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply, and that's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How does it work? When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. Uh, Lauren Webb, who's the Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health. There's a quote from her. I love the feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite the candidates. It's easy for me, it's easy for them. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter's internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply gets on average two and a half more candidates, two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com Tony. You can try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com Tony. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Use the code, people.
4: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Bay High School Choir in South Carolina. That's lovely. Now, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad, you went to Bethesda Bagels today.
3: Yes, uh, we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. we got the bagels today. Sometimes we get the bagel sandwiches. Either way, we're always very happy, and you will
0: be as well. I guess that does it for us today when we get to the mail. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and I know I recognize this, I read the news today, oh, boy. 4,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. And though the holes were rather small, they had to count them all. Now they know how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. I'm losing track of the group that did that, but I heard they were good. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Steve Sands. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter, DoorDash, Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or see if you get the show through Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a review. Michael Gottfried of Piper Golf. Remember when we got the Piper Golf balls? A few months ago, I introduced Piper Golf to you and thus to my fellow Littles. The orders came rushing in, basically crashed the site. We sold out of golf balls immediately. Wow. Good problem to have, I suppose. A sincere thank you to all the Littles out there who gave Piper Golf balls a try. Fast forward to today, Piper Golf back in stock with all four models at WWW dot piper dot golf www as you mentioned on the air before our goal is to make selecting a ball simple and our balls come at a fair and affordable price compared to the big guys I'm hoping you and Michael enjoyed the first batch Littles can always get 10% off wow with the code Tony K at checkout
2: great alignment tool
0: use the code people most of the balls that I used are in the water at Rehoboth (laughs) man a lot of water at Rehoboth I played with them for a long time I want to thank uh, Gabe Gilson in New York City very much for bringing To my attention, the sad news, but the inevitable news that uh, Billy Steinman, who was Jim Steinman's older brother, who was for many, many years the sports information director at Columbia, has passed away. And Gabe Gilson has lovely, lovely memories of Bill Steinman, um, who was great at his job. Didn't you use the word lugubrious, (laughs) lugubrious (laughs) in releases about Columbia football, (laughs) lugubrious. Rest in peace. Uh, Robert Berg, the inimitable Robert Berg. Rocco's Warriors is sponsoring a golf outing at Manor Valley Golf Course in Export, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Pittsburgh on October 16th. A $90 entry fee gets you 18 holes with a cart, a hot dog at the turn, and dinner after the round. That's pretty good. That is good. All proceeds go to Rocco's Warriors to assist Pittsburgh families dealing with pediatric cancer. I will be golfing with a friend, but we have two more openings in our foursome, and if any littles are interested, I would love to have them in our group. To register, go to the Rocco's Warriors Facebook page and click on Announcements. There's a Google link to sign up. To join my foursome, just write in my name as captain. If somehow more than two little sign up, we can create an adjacent group. As an aside, I'm a 35, so I hope this is a scramble. (laughs) Robert Berg can't play. From Brandon Folsom in Detroit, I imagine the 1982 hit Little Red Corvette would have garnered even more international success had Prince actually titled the song, Sloppy Little Honda. (laughs) Is that what I said the other day? I believe you might have mentioned
3: a sloppy little Honda, yes.
0: (laughs) From Rick Fawcett in Youngstown, Ohio, I need a ruling from the show on a recent incident. I was at a stop sign. I let a car out of a parking lot in front of me. The driver, moved by my magnanimous gesture, rolled down his window and waved. However, upon exiting the parking lot, I noticed the car was, in fact, a Subaru. Given this new information, was letting him go ahead of me a kind gesture or enabling the inherent smarminess of the Subaru culture? Also, was his wave a demonstration of gratitude or an excessive appreciation that the driver will tell his friends about as a humble brag at an artisan mead tasting this
2: weekend? (laughs) Looking forward to your official ruling, Michael. I need to know more about the wave. Was it just a general, like, just a quick acknowledge? Were there fingers involved? Yeah. So you want to know. So so Rick
0: and... You can just send us more about that. Uh, Jim Cardachi. Uh, not Cardachian. <laughs> <T-A-R-D-A-C-R, laughs> yes, Cardachi or Cardassi. I came to the famous dive bar in Jupiter for half price sushi. I told the general manager, Michael, Mr. Tony loves this place. He talked about it on his podcast. He's a big fan. We chatted. And I said, do you get many tour players in here? He says, Tiger comes in, but we leave him alone. I look forward to playing your podcast in my Uber. I'm from D.C. I cut your lawn in 1980. <laughs> How great is that <laughs> cut my lawn <laughs> so great okay uh this is from joe hedges or joseph hedges in new britain connecticut hi grandpa tony since this show has morphed into the david mammoth glengarry glen ross review hour here's some great details maybe you didn't know the world famous monologue by alec baldwin coffee is for closers only was not even in the original pulitzer prize winning play i did know that the play opens with the salesman lamenting getting chewed out by a hotshot from downtown, but the character is neither seen nor heard. Mamet, who penned the screenplay for the film, wrote the part specifically for Baldwin. Also, in a 2012 revival on Broadway, Pacino was back, but played the Jack Lemon character. Ooh. I was able to see it, and see it Bobby Cannavale in Boardwalk and M- Empire, in the Ricky Roma role originated by Pacino, stole the show. And check out this Murderer's Show cast. Pick attached for those watching on News Channel 8. It's Bobby Cannavale, Al Pacino, David Harbour, John C. McGinley, and Richard Schiff. This is... Oh, that's a great is, cast. Yeah. That's, that's really something. Alex in Minneapolis. I run a record company called Bandbox. We held our first ever pop-up record store in Minneapolis last week. On Sunday, a group of three guys walked in, so we got to talking, and it came out they were from D.C. I forget why, but one of them asked, are you familiar with P.T.I.? Am I familiar with P.T.I., I said. I'm a little. (laughs) We then shared several hearty lachiseries. The store didn't even break. But it was well worth it, if only to meet my first little, didn't break even, rather. But it was well worth it, if only to meet my first little in person. And one more from Rich Johnson in Las Vegas. Belated greetings from Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon, at the southern end of the Willamette Damn it, Valley. As you clearly have ties to the Long Island area, I thought you might take note of a Saturday game, this was earlier in the year, in which the Oregon Ducks beat the Seawolves of Stony Brook 48-7, and I'm adding parenthetically, I wish it was 98 <laughs> That score does, not re- score does not reflect the effort put forth by the Seawolves, who held the Ducks to 17-7 score at halftime. If Stony Brook did that to Oregon, which is now ranked number three in the country, they need to be... They need to get a big clap for that. Must be Solid paid. defense and some imagination in the short passing game kept it close until Oregon's depth and adjustments made it a blowout. The guys from the Colonial Athletic Association won the respect of We Duck fans in what was clearly a paycheck game. The kind Oregon played against Oklahoma and Nebraska when I was an undergrad in the Dan Fouts, North Turner era. That's right, Turner succeeded Fouts as the Ducks quarterback in 1973. One other note, in all my decades of attending Ducks games, I've never experienced a thunder-lightning delay as we had that Saturday. But after the front pass, the crowd was treated to the image I have attached, a rainbow that literally touched fans inside the stadium. Quite a sight to behold, and it does. You can see it. You can see the rainbow falling into the, it's amazing. Into the stands. It's lovely. If you're out in bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white.
4: You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh,
2: in the maroon and black and yellow.
0: You're an idiot. <laughs>